Hallelujah. Third John only has one chapter. We'll read uh, the first few verses. Praise God. You're not so full of Christmas dinner that you're going to fall asleep on me, are you? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I feel the preach on me today. Amen. Glory to God. I, I'm more of a teacher typically, but I, when that kind of, I can sense that preachy kind of thing come on me, I get, I get excited. <laughs> Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So I'm ready to preach. Are you ready to amen? amen. Are you ready to receive it and yes. respond? The more you respond, the more you receive. The more you respond, the more God will do. Amen. The more you check out mentally and physically and all that spiritually, the less you'll get. You could kill the whole service. Yeah. Don't kill the service. If you want to kill the service for yourself, well, fine. But don't you want to kill it for someone who's really needing an answer and a breakthrough today. Uh, you want to add fuel to the fire and not be a wet blanket. This is not the first church of the frozen around here, right? <laughs> <laughs> Amen. Praise God. Well, I, uh, my assignment today, I have confidence from the Lord, is to talk to you about reaching for God's best. Amen. Reaching for God's best. There's a best. I said there's a best. Amen. And uh, you know what? The renewed mind, as you get your mind renewed, you'll begin to see that the best is biblical. Now, because you heard me say, I've already prayed and bound the spirit of religion and the spirit of man-made tradition that wants to blind and put scales over God's peoples and their eyes. Uh, and the church is so sad, it's bought into these lies that we can't have anything, that it's wrong to desire things, uh, that it's wrong to desire to be something great, do something great, have big dreams, want to go to the top. And I think there's a lot of Christians that sort of have that desire. They want to go to the top in life. But they keep it hidden because they're not sure they should have that desire. They're not sure it's okay to nurse that kind of desire, to entertain those kind of thoughts. Because the church can put out this vibe, amen, that that's not holy, that's not right, that's not godly. You know, just stay in your little, stay in your little mold, stay in your little pack, stay, stay with the crowd. Yeah. And I like the way Brother Jesse Duplantis said, he said, you know, if you're going to stay with the crowd, you're going to be mediocre, and you're probably going to be hanging around some sort of storage drain. Right. Because everybody that's just sort of floating around, you know, you, you end up, you just float, 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 where do you go? You, the path of least resistance is going to take you downhill. Yeah. Hello? Yeah. Amen. If you want to go to the top in life, Amen. Then you're going to have to go there on purpose. And you're going to have to be willing, if necessary, to go there by yourself. Amen. But there is a best. There is a best, and the best is God, and the best is biblical. And we should reach for the best. We should reach. Now, some of you, and it's okay, I understand, but don't just think, I'm not just talking about money and material possessions. I am talking about money and material possessions, but I'm not talking, that's the lowest form of prosperity. The lowest form of prosperity is material prosperity. The true riches are, is revelation and anointing and the power of God and the gifts of the Spirit 
and, and divine authority. Those are the true riches Jesus talked about in Matthew chapter 6. Amen? It's really interesting, though, that you qualify for true riches by how you handle natural riches. He said uh, in Luke 16, how are you ever, God's not going to give you your own if you're not faithful with that which is another man's. If you're not faithful with unrighteous mammon, why would God bless you with the spiritual, the true riches? Amen. And so, anyway, I want to start here before I get too ramped up uh, and read this verse. Uh, this wonderful letter, God has just uh, is so enriched my life. Uh, and the four, I think the first four or five chapters of my book, A Prosperous Journey, come right from these couple of verses here. And in this spirit-led uh, and spirit-inspired letter that the great apostle John, an aged man of God, wrote to his well-beloved Gaius, verse 1, it says, who, I'm lo- who I love in the truth. Verse 2 says, Beloved, I wish or I pray, I wish or I pray, I pray is a better translation. In the Greek, it's a really strong word. Amen? It's not just a nice, frilly, filler type, doesn't mean anything, salutation that you might put on a Christmas card. Hey, howdy, how you doing? And then get into the meat of your letter. Every word is God-breathed. There's no filler in the Bible. Words matter when you're talking about the Word of God. Amen? And so he said, Beloved, I pray above all things that you may prosper and be in health even as your soul prospers. And so is there a catch here? Of course there is. There's always, with God, there's always a God side and a man side to anything you want to talk about. Amen? Here he's talking about prosperity, material and physical prosperity, and he's talking about physical health. Amen? Well, he said there's a God side. God said he's being inspired by the Holy Ghost. He's being moved upon by God to say what? I pray above all things. You can say God's supreme desire for all of us is that we prosper and that we have and enjoy health. One translation says that we have and enjoy health ongoingly. As I've said to you before, and I stated in my book, this uh, in the Greek, the Greek language has many more tenses than the English language has. And one of the tenses is the continuous sense. And this verse in the Greek is written in the continuous sense. Amen? Amen? Meaning it's, it's supposed to happen without interruption. Oh, I love that. Basically, in one translation renders it basically this way. I believe it's the Weiss translation, Dr. Weiss. He translates his uh, rendering this way. I pray that you prosper, that you enter into health and enjoy it ongoingly. So these things are something that we as God's children, God desires them for us. He wants them for us. But it's our job to enter into them and enjoy them ongoingly. And you found out already that it's not automatic. If it was automatic, we'd all be in this flow. The blessings of God are not going to fall on you, friend, like a ripe cherry off a tree. You have to reach. Now, in the Greek, I have to kind of move along here. So, in the Greek, God began to point out to me this word prosper. And I did a deep dive study, and I go into great detail. Like I said, four chapters in the Bible, in my book, are, are dedicated to this word prosper. It's the Greek word eudo, uh, in the, the word prospers is the Greek word eudo, and it's got a rich, deep, wonderful meaning. And Dr. Strong's, in his concordance, he gives four phrases to define this Greek word eudo. One of them, anybody know one of them? 
to have a prosperous journey, thus the title of my book. So to prosper here in the Greek means God wants you to have, His supreme desire is, is that you have a prosperous journey through life. In other words, He wants things to go well for you. Y'all out there? He wants things to go well for you, to have a prosperous journey. Dr. Strong also said this word means to have help on the road. Help on the road. See, you're on a journey. You're, you're not staying stagnant. You're going someplace. Heaven is our home. We're going there someday. But we're sojourners. We're pilgrims in this earthly life as Christians. This is not our home. But we're on assignment. We're moving around. We're having a prosperous journey. That's what God wants. And as we're on the road of life, God wants us to experience His divine help on the road of life. Amen? And if you and I, if we're going to get to our God-ordained, God-assigned, prophetic end, then it's going to take His help for us to get there. And His help is available. His help includes you not being a victim of a tragedy or a crime. His help means you having favor and opportunity and open door. All that you need on this road of life, God will give you that help. This word also uh, means to succeed in business affairs. To succeed in business affairs is included in that that Greek word, iudo, translated here, prosper. But the fourth definition is the one God wants me to focus on today. It means to succeed in reaching. And this phrase, this definition is so rich with revelation. It not just tells us, you know, that the word prosper, that God wants us things to go well for us in life. Amen. But there's a nugget of information about how this prosperity is going to come in our life. I don't want to know just what. It doesn't help me to just know what. I got to know how. I got to know the mechanics on my side about what I need to do to cooperate with God to live the kind of life. He wants me to live. And he said here that the Greek word means to succeed in what? Reaching. 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 Come on, somebody, reach out with your arm. And I mean stretch it out. Reach, stretch. And you do that, you could go, okay. You You do that with a purpose, right? There is something you see. You don't have it yet. It's beyond you. But you want it. You see it, and you are extending, reaching. So what God says this word means, part of what it means is God is going to, in your reach for health, in your reach for the plan of God, as you go after God's purpose for your life, His best, the promises of God in your life, He is, if, if He needs to, He is going to stretch your arm so that you could get what is currently out of your natural grasp. He is going to help you attain those healthy kids and good marriage and successful business and plan of God and ministry, whatever it is that's in your heart from God. You know, uh, long, I don't know why I haven't, I haven't thought about this in years, but long, long, it goes back as far as I had to be under 12 years old. My mom and dad were still married. There was this uh, rubbery toy. It wasn't a Superman toy. Stretch arms? How did you know that? I mean, you're good. I'm telling you, you are. You're just good. Stretch Armstrong. Anybody remember Stretch Armstrong? And, and you could, you could, I mean, you could just stretch him out. Amen. Well, see, that's what God will do. It's, out, it's you know, 
uh, succeeding in finances, succeeding in service in ministry, maybe beyond your natural reach. If you're going to live the God kind of life, it will be beyond what you can do. You're going to have to have his help, his assistance to get you there. Well, he will, make, he will turn you into Stretch Armstrong. I mean, he will just, and you'll be able to grab hold of it. Whatever you reach for, he will help you attain unto. But it's not a fleshly, selfish-born reach. It's a spirit-inspired reach. That's the big key. I am not talking about being ambitious. I'm not talking about cheating and lying and, and cutting corners. I'm not talking about greed, being covetous or greedy or any of that. But I am talking about uh, understanding from the Word of God and from the Spirit of God that God has made some things available for us that He sent Jesus to pay a horrible price for you and I to live free of oppression and depression and fear and failure and poverty and sickness and disease and all things that would hurt and destroy. He paid a high price for us. And what he's saying is, I have made these things available for you. Get them. Go get them. Put your hand on them. Possess them. Way back in the Old Testament, we have this type in shadow, and God said, uh, I've, I've delivered you out of Egypt. I've, I've gotten you out with my mighty hand, my outstretched arm. He performed miracles the world has never seen up to that point, never seen really since, amen, on that level. And, uh, and God got them to the banks of Jordan, and, he, and it was time, go, go into the promised land. Go, go into, uh, and Jericho's over there, sure enough, walled city and, and fortified city and all that. There were giants in the land, and, and so there were obstacles, right? And God didn't fight all their battles apart from them. They weren't going to, the promised land was not going to be dropped in their lap. They had a part to play. Their job was to believe God, follow His instructions to the letter, and do what He says to do. But He said, that land is your land. It's a land of abundance. It's a land that flows with milk and honey. It's, he said, it's got pomegranates over there, and it's got iron ore over there, and it's got gold over there that you can dig. He said, I'm not going to dig it for you, but it's over there. And I'm telling you, it belongs to you. It's got, he said, I'm not going to fertilize your vineyard, and I'm not going to pick all the cherries off the tree, but they're over there. And I've ordained it as your land, as your place, and you're going to need me to help get those giants and enemies out of there, but I'm with you. Amen. You just flow with me and do what I say. And they said, we can't. We won't. We're scared. We're not. And so they did without. Because they compromised. They settled. They settled for sand when they could have had palm trees. They, they settled for scarcity when they could have had top shelf. Top shelf. I scrolling on Facebook like a lot of you do, twenty hours a day, and <laughs> and you could kind of tell what I like because all the ads that show up in my feed and tie ads and suit ads and shoe ads and I just whatever your deal is, fine, fishing rods and whatever. But I got my deal, all right. And uh, and so I I ooh I stopped and it had this. This was a company online that was advertising, and they put whole outfits together for you. You just bought the whole thing. You just bought the whole outfit or whatever. And the name of the company was called Top Shelf. And so I clicked on it. 
And then I was stretched by the price. I think the sport coat was 3500 See what I mean? 3500 You don't even get pants for that. And see, here's what I mean, Brother Paul. Some people are offended at the, at the price tag. So that's what I mean about buying that religious deal. Somebody's wearing that stuff. I said somebody's wearing that stuff. It's okay for the, you know, the guy that makes $5 million because he shoots a basketball good. It's okay for him to wear it. Not that preacher, though. He's had to, he's had to embezzle that money from the church to buy some money. Anyway. anyway, I'll get off of that. But it stretched me. Like, whoa. And then I, I, when I backed out of it, I said, well, come on, dummy. It said top shelf. It, it, they were not lying about it. It was top shelf. Listen, amen. But God has top shelf life. Top shelf marriage. Top shelf mind. Top shelf anointing. Top shelf house. Top shelf life. Top shelf wife. Top shelf wife. Top shelf husband. Top shelf kids. Top shelf. God doesn't do any. He don't, he don't shop on the bottom shelf. Amen. God shops top shelf. Anybody that paves their streets with transparent, purest gold, amen, he's a top-shelf kind of God. God's got top-shelf kind of life. You know, living in fear, living in doubt, that's bottom-shelf. Having a marriage that's not sweet, you fight all the time, fuss all the time, you know. There's no passion. That's, that's, that's not what God designed when he designed marriage. I mean, have you read the book of Solomon? The Song of Solomon? Have you read that? It reads like a romance novel. Yeah. Yeah. Hallelujah. I mean, my Bible says in the book of Proverbs, rejoice in the wife of your youth. I won't read the rest of that. It gets almost like PG, PG-13++. <laughs> Amen. Fighting all the time, don't even like each other. That's not, come on. That's not top shelf. Amen. Amen. Not being able to give in offerings to missionaries. Not being able to bless your family. Not being able to go on vacation like 10 years. That's the, come on, God's got... See, y'all getting quieter on me. I'm telling you, God is a top shelf kind of God. But we are going to get there, we're going to have to reach. And you're going to have to know it's God for you to go there. And you're going to have to get okay with the criticism and the persecution that's going to come by the church and people and Christians of an unrenewed mind that want you to stay in the, in the pack with them, yeah. hanging out at the storage storm drain. Let me just read this to you in Ephesians chapter 2. Ephesians 2.10 in the Amplified. It says, For we are God's own handiwork. We're not like little orphan Annie before, you know, before uh, she met Daddy Warbucks. You know, scrubbing the floor and all that. Praise God. We are God's own handiwork. We are what? We are His workmanship, recreated in Christ Jesus, born anew. Why? That we may do those good works which God predestined. God has predestined some works. He's planned them beforehand for us. Everyone say, for me. Now notice this, taking paths 
which He prepared ahead of time that we should walk in them struggling every day. No, no. Living the good life. Living the good life. Who thought up that phrase, the good life? Amen. God is the one who authored the good life. Living the good life which He prearranged and made ready for us to live. Amen. That tells me God's ordained some things for me. He's paved a path for me. He set some good things. He called it the good life. Amen. Jesus said, I have come in John chapter 10, verse 10. The devil comes only to steal, kill, and destroy, but I came that you might have life and that you might have it more abundantly. To the full, the Amplified says, till it overflows. Life on God's level till it overflows. And abundance like we were singing earlier. Hallelujah. You know, down in Lima, Peru in uh, 1997 or 1998, the Spirit of God came into the hotel room of my spiritual father and said to him, 98% of my children live beneath what I've provided for them, including you, preacher. Think about that number is staggering. 97% of my children live beneath what I have provided for them, including you, preacher. And he gave him some revelation, talked to him about some things. I don't have really time too much to get into today about how to fix that. Amen. And he asked the Lord in that moment. He said, now, Father, you're talking to me, you know, about finances in this moment. And he said, how will I know when I get there? You said I'm not there. How will I know when I get there? And he said, do you remember back in the Old Testament that when a young Jewish couple got married, they didn't work for an entire year. You've got a young couple back here just got back from their honeymoon. If they're doing it Old Testament way like the Jewish kids did, they'd be on a honeymoon for a year. You know, when, you, when a Jewish boy gets engaged to a Jewish girl, if they're doing it you know, like they did in Bible times, uh, he would get engaged to her and then he would go away. He would leave her with her father's house and he would go away to prepare a place for her. And he, they wouldn't come back and consummate that marriage and actually have the covenant ceremony until he'd prepared a place for them. You know how well God blessed that kid? That when they did get married, they didn't have to work for a solid year. Most of us, most Americans, most Christians live paycheck to paycheck. And most of us, before that two-week check comes or whenever it is, they've got half a bit spent before it arrives. That is not God's will. That is not top shelf. I've been there. I'm not there now, but I've, I've been there. I'm getting further away from that every day. Praise God. Amen. Preaching, praise God. Go with me to Philippians chapter 4. Philippians chapter 4. Y'all all right? And you're like, oh, he's, he's, he's stepping on some sacred cows. He's... He's, he's getting on some sensitive territory. You know, I write my book on this chapter. I have an old chapter called Succeed in Reaching. You know, you're finding Philippians chapter 4. Let me read you something, just a sentence or two that I wrote here that God helped me write. According to Mark chapter 11, Mark chapter 11 verse 24 says, For what things soever you desire when you pray, believe you receive them, and you shall have them. Right? And God said to me, 
he helped me to write this. Let me say it that way. Many do not experience more simply because they don't desire more. They could have more. And listen, parents, if you're in that place and, and you're comfortable, you know, you got a roof over your head and it's not leaking, you got some food to eat and the car starts in the morning, thank God for that. You should be grateful. We should all be grateful. Thank God for that. But I tell you what, if you settle there, then you're going you're gonna to hurt the body of Christ. Because you could have more. And if you had more, you could have more to help others. And number two, you're going to hurt your children. Because they could have more. They could have better experiences. They could have better education. You could have more flexibility. You could enrich their lives more if you had more. And a lot of people don't have more because they just simply... What did he say? What did Jesus say? What things soever you desire is a God word. It's not a bad word. Now you put that desire outside the Bible in a wrong vein, it becomes lust, it becomes covetousness, it becomes evil. But submitted to the Word of God, submitted to the Spirit of God, submitted to the right heart and the right motive, desire is a good thing and you should have them. You won't pray what you desire if you don't desire. And if you don't desire something, you won't pray and believe you receive it. And if you don't pray and believe you receive what you desire, there's no, God's not doing anything for you. Amen? And I tell you what, God blessed my life, and I was just reading a book from a preacher, and he said, you better tell people, whatever, you know, don't be afraid, don't be ashamed. And I am so grateful, I tell you what, I am so grateful for where I am. But God's just not even gotten started with me yet. Just watch out. Hallelujah. I am headed towards top shelf. And the, the higher I go, the more I can help, the more I can do, the more I can give, the more I can be a blessing. And that's really what it's all about. Amen. Amen. Praise God. How are you going to ever have faith for the kingdom of God if you don't know how to use faith for yourself? Right? I mean, you're going to be the most motivated and the most sincere and the most fervent about your own needs, your own family, your own children than anybody else. You've got to, get, you got to be, get beyond this religious idea that it's wrong to have any desires that are high. If you don't desire more than you have right now, how are you ever going to go further? Well, it, people take on this religious idea, well, if God has it for me, he'll, he'll do it. No, no, no. That's not right. I said, that's not right. I said, that's not right. God cannot give you what you do not desire. For the Bible says God gives us the desires of our hearts. Psalm 34, Psalm 37, 5. Many people have a surface fanciful wish for a better life. Many people, uh, you know, they would love to have more money, a better marriage, live in a nicer home, but that is a shallow, flesh-born desire. I'm talking about an inward force that flows from the eternal nature of God that's in your spirit. God lives in you. And the God we serve, the God that lives in us, is large, abundant, generous, lavish, loving, and exceedingly kind. Amen. Amen. And he will get, if you'll fellowship with him, get in his word, he will cultivate desires. He's the one that said, Amber and I, we were totally content to, and thankful to live in our previous home. But God kept saying, I have something better for you. I have something better for you. I, I wasn't conjuring that up. He said, I have something better for you. Amen. And when we found it, and when it was time, it was way out beyond us. You know what I had to do? Reach. 
I didn't just go, well, if God wants me to have that, you know, I can't do it. It's beyond my budget, beyond all that. I don't make that. How could I ever? And just, if God wants me to have it, he'll just, you know, something will happen. No, no, I had to use my faith. I had to hear from him. My wife and I had to join hands. We had to pray and agree. And we had to believe for miracles. And we stood for miracles. And God did miracles. And we're living in that home today. But we had to reach. We had our little part to play. Amen. In Philippians chapter 4, did you find that? Philippians chapter 4, verse 10. Yeah, I want to just quickly read a scripture that a lot of people stumble over and they misinterpret. So Paul is he's, he's thanking the, uh, the Philippian church because he received a care package from them. No doubt it had money in it, might have had clothes in it, might have had supplies in it, might have had parchment paper in it. And I think it was Epaphroditus or one of these guys that came on their behalf and finally found Paul and, and gave this offering. And in verse 10 it says, But I rejoiced in the Lord greatly that now at the last your care of me is flourished again, wherein you were also careful, but you lacked opportunity. In other words, you wanted to bless me, but you didn't know where I was, and so you lacked the opportunity. Not that I speak in response of lack. What did he say? A lot of people skip over that. He is not speaking in regard to what? Lack or not having enough. So let's find out what he is speaking about. Amen? Uh, not that I speak in respect of want, for I have learned, he learned this, in whatever state I am, therewith to be content, circle that word content. I know both how to be abased and, to know, and I know how to abound. Everywhere and in all things I am instructed both to be full and to be hungry, both to abound and to suffer need. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Now people read this and they say, well, see, Paul was impoverished, Paul didn't have anything, Paul was in great need, and he's telling us all that he was just content with that, and he learned that, and we should be content with that, and, and, and if I don't have a lot, then I'm just content. And that's what the Word says, I should be, I should just be content. And they interpret this word to mean, content means okay with. How many of you have thought that? Just be honest. But this was not written in English. This was written in Greek. There was a Greek word that was used here. And I, it's the Greek word. I don't even know how to spell it to, or to uh, pronounce it. It's A-U-T-A. It doesn't even matter, okay? It really doesn't. But this is what it means. The, word, the Greek word used here for content means sufficient in oneself. It means self-sufficient. It means adequate. It means requiring no assistance. So based on that, the Amplified Bible says, satisfied to the point where I am not disturbed or disquieted in whatever state I am. He is not talking about being okay with his difficult circumstance. He's talking about how he responds to it, how he faces it, how he handles it inside. He goes, I've learned to be content when things are bad. When he says, I've learned to be abased, he means I've learned when I face financial difficulties not to be disturbed inside. I've learned not to be disquieted. I don't lose my peace over it. I've learned how to handle that inside. And then I like the Phillips New Testament. Uh, their understanding of this is really good. It means, yeah, it renders it this way, nor do I mean that I have been in actual need. For I have learned to be content whatever the circumstances may be. Listen to this. 
I know, I know now how to live when things are difficult. See, that's what, when things are difficult, you've got to learn how to live. Because not every circumstance you and I face as we reach for God's best is going to be rosy. Don't think I'm, talking, I'm offering you a life that the Bible's offering you a life without opposition or difficulty. But he says, I know now how to live when things are difficult, and I know now how to live when things are prosperous. In general and in particular, I have learned the secret of facing either poverty or plenty. It's not about accepting the circumstance. He says, I know how to face it. Then he goes on and says, I am ready for anything through the strength of the one who lives in me. Weiss translation says it this way, in all things... I have learned to live independent of my circumstances. That's what he means when he says, be content. Amen? That when attacks come and when oppositions come, and I'm, I believe in God just to have enough gas for my car, and, and, and uh, f- I've been there, and, and to keep my debt from going up, and, and just keep my nostril financially above water. I've learned, you've got to learn, to be peaceful inside, not to be moved and learn how to live independent of that circumstance. Why? Because you know I have strength in me, I have Christ in me, and in just a few verses, what did he say? My God supplies all my need according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. So see, there's some scriptures like this that we have to unravel, we have to rightly divide, we have to do a little digging and not just skim it off the English surface and say, see, he told me to be content with my welfare check. No! I'm content with this rusted out car while the drug dealer's driving a Benz. No, God didn't put all the nice stuff in the earth for the devil and his crowd. And you need to know that. You need to, it's okay. Some of you in the back, are you my friends or my enemies? I'm not. Y'all could help me back there. Amen. And don't take it from me. Get in the book and find out what kind of God you're serving. David, when he was talking in Psalm 23, what kind of God was he serving? He said, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not lack. He said, he makes me to lie down in green pastures. I walk beside still waters. He said, he, he restores my soul for my namesake. Glory to God. All these different things. When he walks through the valley of the shadow of death, the Lord, he said, my cup is half full. I got a half full kind of God. I got two sips in my cup from God. He just keeps me at the point of dehydration. What kind of God did David find? He said, he makes my cup run over. I love this about our father. He does not know some things. Our father does not know some things. Our father does not know when the cup is full. It's like, how much gravy would you like? Amen. That's the kind of God we serve. Job went through some stuff, but at the end, God blessed him twice. Double. Double. And he didn't, God didn't author all that stuff. The devil did that. Read chapter one. Read chapter two. The devil did all that to Job. But in the end, how did it end? He ended up with double. Double kids, double wife, double sheep, double donkey, double everything. I'm telling you. I didn't say he had two wives. I'm saying he got a better wife than the wife he had before. That's what I'd say. 
Now, I'm not for divorce. God's not for divorce, but it's an, unre- it's an unfortunate reality. And I tell you what, if something's happened to you, you just need to let it go and receive your forgiveness, take responsibility for your part, and then you know what? You need to start believing for restoration, start believing for double, start believing for a top-shelf wife. My spiritual father had his wife walk off, take his two daughters away, and you know who God picked out for him? Top show. I mean top show. Runner up, Miss America. Beautiful, anointed, plays piano, preach and teach like a ball of fire, has faith, loyal, Loves him, loves the plan of God. Still moving today even though he's gone to heaven. Come on, that's top shelf. Something happened, something tragic, maybe you're the one that messed it up. Hey, come on, God's a good God. He's a merciful God. He's a loving God. You just put everything, put the blood on it like we talked about last week, and then start believing God and reaching for top shelf. And if you're in a marriage, why don't you just bless your mate by being a top shelf mate? Just be a top shelf mate. Baby, I'm going to be top shelf. After church, I'm going to go build me some more muscles. Hallelujah. (laughs) Amen. Hallelujah. Y'all take a few more minutes here. What does God's best look like? Well, I don't have time to take you all these scriptures, but Psalm 91, that'll tell you what top top shelf, that means uh, top shelf in Psalm 91 is no COVID, and if COVID comes, I get over COVID. Top shelf in Psalm 91 means I got angels with me every day. And they care, so they're, they're on it, they're so on it, they're not going to just talk about guns and, you know, defending me from that. He said, I'm not even going to let that boy scuff his shoe. If you read it, he said, because they love God in Psalm 91, their heart goes out to God, that God hears their prayers, God answers them, God delivers them, and with long life I'll satisfy them and show them my salvation. And that's, that's Psalm 91, top shelf. You want to know what God thinks, what's top shelf? Top shelf is uh, Deuteronomy 28. He said, I'm blessed in the city, I'm blessed in the field. I'm blessed going in, I'm blessed going out. I'm blessed in my, my dogs are blessed, my cats are blessed, my sheep are blessed, my camels are blessed. Blessed is my basket, blessed is my store. I've been talking about top shelf. I've been talking about it's okay to desire to live on the top end life. What did God say? He said, I'll make you the head, not the stinky tail. We're supposed to be the head, not the stinky tail. That means we're supposed to be out front, not behind. We're supposed to be first, not the last. He said, I'll make you the the lender, not the borrower. Come on. Talking about top shelf, he said, you'll be above and not beneath. Above and not beneath. What's that mean? I'm not going to be beneath the foot of the devil. I'm not going to be beneath the foot of sickness and disease. Poverty's not going to be, uh, I'm not going to be under the foot of poverty. I'm not going to live in fear. I'm not going to live in failure. I'm blessed and I'm a blessing going somewhere to happen. I'm looking to pay somebody's bill. Come on. Praise God. I'm telling you, that's, that's Psalm 28. It just goes on and on for 14 verses. Yeah. Talking about the top. Yeah. In fact, uh, Deuteronomy 28.1 talks about if you'll hearken, if you'll listen, if you'll diligently obey the voice of the Lord thy God, He said, I'll set you where? High above. Amen. 
That sounds like the top. Is that biblical for the top? Amen. What God's best looks like means living in divine, supernatural calmness, tranquility, and peace, no matter what kind of hell has broken out in your life. God's best looks like being filled with the Holy Ghost, speaking in other tongues, operating in the gifts of the Spirit, releasing faith, moving mountains, working miracles, seeing people healed and delivered, and the gospel spread. That's, that's, come on, that's, that's top shelf. That's top shelf living. That's taking authority over the devil. Watching the devil flee. That's mama standing over their babies rebuking fevers and fevers leave. That's husbands and wives going out and closing business deals and making a million dollars and tithing on it to the church. Come on. That's top shelf. Top shelf is experiencing God's abundance, increase and overflow in every area of your life. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And I don't know, I've decided to leave religion, and I'm sorry, but many in the body of Christ behind. God, I have seen it in the Word, what God has made available to me. I have an inheritance in Christ, and I'm going to get mine. I'm going to get mine, I'm going to live mine, and I'm going to do everything I can to share and to bring people up and to bless as many people as possible. You know, there's three, I'm almost done, but there's three types of people in the world. Y'all want to know what kind? There's three types of people in the world. There are quitters, campers, and climbers. Some people look at the mountain, and they want everything. They want that view up there. They want that beautiful penthouse cabin suite view of life up there. But it looks like work to them. They're that sluggard we've been talking about on Wednesday night. Creak. And they just rather set up a nice little bamboo cot right there on the bottom. They don't even have a, uh, uh, you know, what's that guy up in Minnesota? They don't even have a pillow topper, pillow topper, whatever that guy is, my pillow. <laughs> they quit before they start. Then you got campers. Oh, the campers, they, they, they launched out with the climbers. They got up a fur piece. Amen, their heart rate got up. Had a little bead of sweat. Underarms started to stink a little bit. And they looked down and said, look how far we've got away from the quitters. We got a pretty good view here. We did better than them. We did better than them. And they camp out right there. That's where most of us probably are. No, no, if you're not climbing. Have you decided to camp out? Well, I got the American drink. I got 2.5 kids. I got half a dog. I got, you know, I, I'm above the poverty line and my roof don't leak. And I can have ice cream once, every, once a month. And you just quit right there. Can't bless the orphan. Can't, can't really. Come on. Get sick every time something comes through. Constantly having problems, challenges. You know, I'm just chronic things. Come on. Don't camp. Don't pitch your tent. Climb. Be a climber. Climb till you get to the top. Write down this reference. Like I said, I'm almost done. Matthew 11, 12. Matthew 11, 12. These are the words of Jesus as rendered in the Amplified Translation. And it says, And from the days of John the Baptist until the present time, the kingdom of heaven has endured violent assault, and violent men seize it by force. Like a precious prize... A share in the heavenly kingdom is sought with the most ardent zeal and intense exertion. 
when you read this, it's not demonic assault. It's not, uh, it's not the, the enemy camp storming the gates of heaven. Jesus said, from the time I stepped out on the scene, from the time of my cousin and me, John the Baptist, when we started preaching the good news of the kingdom of God, men who got light of it, men who got sight of it, they began to press and make violent assault on the kingdom to seize their portion. Amen. Hallelujah. You know, there is a, a violent, aggressive assault called possessing the land that God encourages, that God permits, that God is pleased with. In other words, there's a violent assault from the sick going to get their healing. There's a violent assault on the mentally tormented and they're going after their peace of mind. Praise God. There's a violent assault on the hurting and the wounded and the addicted. And they're going for wholeness and health and healing and restoration. And I tell you what, it's quite all right. There is a violent assault of people who've been impoverished in life and haven't had things in life. And they know what it is to go to bed hungry, not be able to, you know, to have to choose between medicine and groceries and gas. And they are violently assaulting the kingdom of God because they found out in 3 John 2, Beloved, I wish above all things that you prosper and have... Come on, they're going after it. Hallelujah. I'm doing better preaching than you are. Amen. Amen. He said, since this time, there's been a violent assault on the kingdom of God. They're going after it like a precious prize, Reverend Marilyn. They're going after their share in the heavenly kingdom. It is sought after with the most ardent zeal and intense exertion. I mean, they're going after it. I want to be like these kind of people. Hallelujah. Let's, let's close over in the book of Genesis. Hallelujah. You know, as a pastor, Genesis 27, as a pastor, the saddest, saddest thing I've witnessed in pastoring is the waste, the waste of earth's most precious resource. What is that? Human potential. Human potential. I don't have everybody's ear, but I got yours, I hope. You matter. You're made by God. He knew you from before the foundation of the word. He authored your life. And yes, we live in a fallen, broken world. And things have happened to you like they've happened to me that were not supposed to happen. That were not God's will. They're dark and twisted and perverted and abusive and disappointing at least. People are mean and people are ugly. We had imperfect parents, imperfect education, imperfect pastors and churches. Amen. But inside of every one of you, is greatness. You are filled with glorious purpose. And if you'll peel back, let God help you peel back all the layers of callousness and disappointment and hurt and all your walls and all your dis- you know all of that and all the abuses and if you'll let you'll recognize that God didn't have anything to do with that and he's sorry for you about that but he's here to help you and he's the master of putting Humpty Dumpty back together again and he's not going to put you in a low place honey when he picks you up he found me drunk and suicidal at a frat party but the Bible says he picks up the poor out of the dunghill and he puts them among princes top shelf top shelf top shelf Top shelf. You ever watch that gold gold show, the gold shows? You think about how much material they have to move to get, I mean, a flake of gold. And you might feel like you've got mounds and mounds and mounds and mounds of muck and dirt. But if you'll get on God's conveyor belt and stay there, He'll get the gold out of you. 
You're going to need a pastor that knows something. You're going to need a church. You're going to need a Bible. You're going to need your own relationship with Jesus Christ. You're going to need to, you know, have some faith. And you're going to have to have some fight about you. But you can go from where you are today to top shelf and represent God the way He wants and needs and deserves to be represented. I am a nothing and a nobody. I was. We all were. Amen. I, I, when I came to the body of Christ, I, did, I didn't have many gifts. I don't have many gifts. But I tell you what, but in Christ, He put His anointing on me and made me a decent pastor. Amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I didn't have any money, but He gave me some. Amen. I didn't have any nice clothes, but He brought me into some. Amen. I didn't have a wife that loved me, but I do now. Amen. Praise God. Praise God. Amen. Amen. I want you to dream going into this year. I want you to dream a dream. While I'm retired, you got more time to dream a dream then. I want you to pray some prayers. I want you to write some things down. What, what does reach look like for you? What does reach look like for you in your Christian service? What does reach look like for you in your prayer life? What does reach look like for you in your finances? What does reach look like for you in your family, in your marriage? What does reach look like? You don't have it. It's beyond you, but you can see it. Write the vision. Make it plain. Here in, I'm closing, I promise. In Genesis 27, verse 39 and 40. Now, of course, Isaac got tricked by his wife and Jacob, his younger son, and and they stole the firstborn blessing from Esau. And now Esau and Isaac have found it out. And Esau, Esau, in verse 38, he lifts up his voice and says, Oh, Father, my Father, don't you have a blessing left for me? Don't you have a blessing left for me? And, And this is what it says in verse 39 and 40. And Isaac, his father, answered and said unto him, Behold, your dwelling shall be the fatness of the earth, and of the dew of heaven from above. Not a bad life. And by thy sword you shall live, and you shall serve your brother. But notice this, and it shall come to pass, when you shall have the dominion, that you shall break his yoke from off your neck. Hallelujah. Now, that is really blind to us, that language, that you shall have the dominion. Listen to it from the Living Bible, not the New Living Bible, but the Living Bible says this, Yours will be no life of ease and luxury, but you shall hew your way with your sword. For a time you will serve your brother, but you will finally shake loose from him and be free. Other translations say, you, when you grow restless, when you grow, he said for a time, you're going to live for a season under the dominion of your brother. and He'll be over you. It's not going to be easy. But when you get restless... When you get restless, you shall break loose. You shall cast his yoke from off your neck, and you shall be free. The Kentucky translation would say, when you get fed up. Y'all understand that, don't you? When you get fed up, Esau, you will throw his heavy yoke off your neck. Amen. 
And there was a day that came when they were finally reunited after being years estranged, he and his brother. And God had certainly, just like he said, he had blessed Jacob abundantly, but God had also blessed Esau. And Jacob was afraid of his brother because the last time they met, he was under a death threat. I'm going to kill you. That's why he left. And they'd been gone from, apart from each other for decades. And Jacob, had, he, had, he had taken a good portion of his bounty and offered it to him as a gift. He said, you guys go out ahead and tell, tell my brother Esau, you're a present for me and that I come in peace. And you know what? Esau was so blessed, he said, brother, I don't need any of your stuff. I don't need any of your stuff. God's made a way for me. Esau had a lot of problems, but he did enter into... But when did it happen? When did things change for him? When he got fed up. When he, got fed up. Yeah. When he grew restless. Yeah. And that's what I want to leave you with today. When are things going to change for you? When you get restless. When you get not okay with things staying mediocre and average and not excellent and not the picture of the promise of God in whatever area you're thinking about. Amen. There comes a time where we need to point our finger at the devil and just say, enough is enough. Enough's enough. And sometimes you need to not do it to the devil, but get yourself in front of the mirror and say, listen. Listen, girly. Praying 10 minutes a day every, you know, two or three days. Enough's enough of that. You're going to pray every day, girl. You're going to pray every day. You're going to read your Bible every day. Guys, you need to get yourself by the ear. I'm going to get my family. I can come to Wednesday night. I'm just staying home. But I'm going to get my church to Wednesday night. I'm going to stop ignoring what my pastor's saying. And it's okay to say, you know what? I, it's not okay anymore. For me to have offered unto me a higher life, a greater blessing, and me being okay with less than. That's an okay. That, you need to get there. And this church will be better off the faster you can get there. How are we going to go up? Well, God just add more people. He is and He will. But God wants to raise you up. We're about to celebrate the finishing of this building. We, Satan hindered us. We had a few delays with shipping. But we're about to finish it. We don't get comfortable. The next building we need to build, whichever direction the Lord leads us to go, is going to cost more than $2 million. $2 million. Minimum. And that's why you need to stir yourself up to not be okay getting by. Flip your coupons if you want to, but you need to get beyond having to. Can y'all take that today? I think you can. Praise God. Poor, that's not the life for me. It's not the life for you. Amen. There's a work to be done. I said there's a work to be done. There's a work to be done. Hallelujah. Like I said, I was nothing to nobody, but when I got in Christ, I left that frat party an ambassador. I didn't look like one. I may not look like one yet, but I'm on my way. Amen. Okay, what are you going to do about it? Just leave here and go have food and forget all about it? I hope not. Amen. Stand up on your feet today. Did you get something out of that?